Hello and welcome back to the Couple's Guide to Stranger Things podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm the monster. <laughs> Here's the monster called Tom. <laughs> That's me. And we're just a couple of clearly crazy super fans who met through our love of Stranger Things. We've just watched the monster if you can't tell (laughs) and we're gonna start blabbering on about it like we always do shall we dive into chapter six what like mike did again (laughs) what into the quarry oh i suppose yeah (laughs) so i just want to say quickly um apologies for any background noise um we're not expecting any background noise but we have got our window open because even though it's february we're having a very oddly warm night in the uk yeah it's as if we're uh watching season three and we've just hit the sauna test yes yeah that's how it feels in our in our lounge our living room at the minute so uh so yeah hopefully there won't be anyone going past or making any noise at this time in that well it's it's 20 past 10 people as we uh record this so hopefully all will be good (laughs) hopefully and that's not in the am terms no it's not oh my god if it was the am terms all you would hear is harry our toddler singing he was singing or his drums playing some music yeah or playing piano or stealing this microphone i imagine yes if you've seen the little video clip of him doing that yeah we did have a story up on our instagram of him doing exactly that like you say (laughs) with this microphone yep in all of its cheese grater glory. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't have a cheese grater, just like people to know. He no. just stole the microphone. <laughs> so we'll start. Obviously, we've just watched The Monsters, we've said. And the episode goes immediately back to Nancy, um, who has gone into the Upside Down. Yes, she has. And we were saying that she's incredibly lucky that that tree gate is still open because when the episode ended you could see that it was closing up very quickly it was it was pretty much ready to trap her yeah and so i thought as i say as we keep saying i don't know how much they really planned of henry slash one from this point but you could nearly imagine it as him closing it to trap nancy yes but then he hears jonathan and he's like Oh, there's another one. Yeah. Come along, my friend. And that's it. If it is if it is planned as Henry or not, it's actually watching it when we just have now did give me a new perspective because I've never really thought about the fact that it was closing up and then when Jonathan gets to it, it starts opening back up again like it is trying to lure him well, in. Yeah, I don't think we see it opening back up, but it's as if it never started closing. Yeah. So it either they forgot the fact that they had it closing or But it's pretty yeah. wide open when Jonathan gets to it. Exactly, that's what I mean. So it's nearly it's either the case where they forgot that they had it closing as a end scene. Yeah. And that was just a slip up. Or, like I say, they might want to just write it as a, yeah, it's Henry totally teasing him to come along. Yeah. Um, Possibly. I'm sorry, what accent was that? Uh, I don't know. When I'm talking to somebody else, 
I don't know. It just happens automatically. <laughs> I apologise to anybody I offend. But <laughs> I deal don't with it. you offend anyone. But I just thought, I can't pretend that I didn't notice the accident. I know. I heard it myself and I was like, stop. But I can't. I can't. Just. <laughs> it's a part of you and it's one of the many reasons <sighs> I love you. It drives me insane too. <laughs> I do it as well, but I don't know. I, I seem to be able to stick to my accent mainly during the podcast. I try. But you just be you, I my fail. darling. You be you. Well, that's the point. I can't apparently. <laughs> that's a good point, actually, and I don't really know what to say. So, moving on <laughs> swiftly, please. <laughs> so, obviously, Jonathan helps Nancy get pulled out of the upside down, and then it leads to them spending the night innocently together. And we go on to Steve witnessing this. Yeah, now. Before this started, I forgot about the whole thing of him witnessing this. So as he's in the car with Tommy and... Carol. It is Carol. I, I couldn't remember if it was Carol or not. Yeah. Um. Yeah, while he's in, in the car with Tommy and Carol, I said to you, it's, oh, this, this is like the moment he starts to turn around because he's now worried of Nancy and he's going to check on her. Yeah. And then as soon as I said those words, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, it ain't. Yeah, it's not the moment where he redeems himself. No, and that's it. I think for a moment he was changing because, you know, he's starting to get annoyed by Tommy and Carol, the way they're teasing him. Yeah, about not caring about someone. Yeah. So it was like we were starting to see future Steve start to break through. Yes. Um, But then, yeah, he sees Jonathan in Nancy's room and, like you say, he becomes very self-centred. It's very suddenly. Yeah, I feel it's almost like a little court case here for a for Steve and an against Steve. Yeah. And the against is definitely that they're not making out. Nope. They're not doing anything inappropriate. Nope. All he can see, because we see it from his point of view, we see Nancy sat on that bed with Jonathan next to her, yes, but her head is slumped. And Jonathan is putting a blanket over her shoulders and then consoling her. Exactly. So That is what we see. Exactly. And I mean, it's not as if they've just done the dirty as the, she did with Steve. Yeah, they're not kissing. They're not even They're not even laughing. No. They're not even having a good time and joking. and. Yeah, exactly. It's very clearly a consoling situation. So, you know, like you say, they could genuinely just be grieving over the fact that they've both lost someone. Absolutely. Recently. And Steve doesn't seem to acknowledge the fact that for all we, well, all Steve knows and most of Hawkins at this point is that Jonathan's just lost his brother. Yeah. And Barb is missing. Exactly. And so, yeah, they're kind, they are consoling each other. Obviously, we know it's more to do with the demagoguing and the shock of what Nancy's just been through. Exactly. But, yeah, so for Steve, it it does feel very self-centred in that moment. Yeah, self-centred, immediately jumps to conclusions. And, yeah, well, to be honest, there's not much else to say other than jumps to conclusion. Yeah, it's, it's, about, it, it it's all even, about him, you know. Yeah, it doesn't even enter his mind that they might just be consoling each other over loss rather yeah. than oh they clearly cheating on me yeah but on the you know the on the for steve side we don't know what's said in the car 
by Carol and Tommy, who clearly are very... Oh, I was going to say manipulative, but I'm not even sure if that's the word, but they're just very narcissistic and just very, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Not nice people. Oh, I imagine they manipulate... I don't think... From what we saw of Steve literally two seconds ago... Yeah. I personally don't think he would go calling her a slut on a theatre billboard. No, and I mean, we do see later on when we do see the graffiti, it's Tommy who's doing the graffitiing anyway. Yeah. So yeah. probably was Tommy also doing the one above the um, on the cinema screen. Yeah. But um, yeah, in that car, we don't know what happened. It could have been that um, Steve has got back into the car and gone, what the hell have I just seen? And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, she, she's she's in there with Jonathan Byers, like more of a confusion. Like I don't could, understand what's yeah. going on. And you can imagine both of them immediately going, "Oh, she's with Jonathan." Yeah, and completely twisting it and getting into his head when he clearly feels a bit vulnerable. Um. So yeah. So that is on the four Steve side, but also the photograph incident. You know, they could have easily played on that as well, being like, oh, maybe she wanted him to take photos of her. Maybe she set the whole thing up. Maybe yeah. they've been together for a while. Like, yeah, maybe she's been having you on. Yeah. This is it. Like, there's so many possibilities. So I'm not completely against Steve, but, yeah, there's there's two sides to the coin. He should have just took a moment to think about it. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely two sides there. Absolutely. Um. And then from that scene, we go to Hopper and Joyce. And, you know, this is Hopper explaining to Joyce, you know, what what he has seen in the lab and showing her... Well, sorry, I'm saying showing her the photo, but I think I was writing notes at this point. Does he have the photo or does he just explain it to no, her? No, he's just explaining it. The drawing, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I said this last time. I said a photo then as well. <laughs> Honestly, baby brain. Um... Yeah, I no. think you're right, because I'm sure he says, like, oh, stick people or something yeah, like Yeah, yeah, so he hasn't... T- I mean, you know, he... I, how did he get out of there? Because they found him. Oh, uh, well, they, the, they, they placed yeah, him back yeah, in his yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, I lost that for a moment. Um, you had yeah. a baby brain moment as well. So, obviously, he didn't have an opportunity to take it anyway. No. Um, but he wouldn't have wanted to, because he doesn't want to leave tracks. Yeah, it was yeah. his intention to get in and get out. Um but no, yeah, so he's explaining it to her. Yeah. And like you say, he's just saying it's a kid and their papa and their stick figures. Yeah. And they're at the table and he literally calls it a prison cell, but it's he's trying to explain how it's very obvious that it's a kid's room. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a kid-sized bed. There's that lion and a, let's, you know, I don't want to insult you, Al, but a pretty rubbish drawing. Yeah, yeah. And that, but that's the beauty of it being a pretty rubbish drawing. Is like you had said, the fact that they've used the artwork is great because that's a way to identify if it's Will or not. Exactly, and that's it. Because Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> I need to go to sleep. <laughs> Joyce obviously knows that Will is pretty damn good at art. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, pretty genius way of being like right is this will by grabbing some of his drawings shoving them in hopper's face and be yeah. like compare this to what you saw in there is it will yeah because she she has like 
almost a smug look on her face like after she asked him was the picture good and he's like well it's a kid's picture you know it's stick people and all this and then then she has that look of triumph that that is not my boy then yeah and gets like you say gets the pictures of his and, and is like like this is will's drawing yeah yeah exactly and then isn't it that moment that hopper starts to realize that he has not been chasing will he, yeah, you know, inadvertently he's been chasing some other kid. Yeah, that's literally what he says, chasing after some other kid, and obviously that is just opening up a can of worms. Exactly, you know, as to what will come next. Yeah, because he's already seen on the um, news flicks the reports of Terry, yeah, Elle's mother, yeah. looking for her daughter Jane yeah and to be honest I know it's not the next scene but it's probably best to kind of go into that now really it, and yeah, discuss it yeah it kind it. of goes straight into that doesn't it yeah and obviously you know they they find Terry they find where she lives and um, you know they speak to um, oh gosh I'm having a, a brain moment here Becky Becky thank you um, they speak to Becky and Oh, it is a heartbreaking scene, really. You know, you see Terry the way she is. Yeah. She, but we were quite surprised, actually, that we'd forgotten how, it's a bit silly to say how interactive she is. I was going to say, she seems to be a lot more catatonic in season two. Yeah. Um. You know, she's acknowledging Hopper's, ex- well, Joyce's existence. Yeah. In this one, you know, she's staring blankly at the TV not saying a word. I found it, yeah, they, she's not repeating her phrase. We do kind of see a mutter at the end, but we don't hear mm, what. Maybe, I suppose. Thing is, I suppose in season two, she's not constantly muttering it either. No. So it's clearly just on in her head. Most she of was time. just a lot more expressive she than was. I remembered. Yeah, that's it. So she's obviously blankly staring at the TV. Joyce approaches and she seems to be looking at Joyce as she's approaching. Like, you know, she is acknowledging that there's this person walking up to her. Yeah. And then she seems to look at the picture. Mm. But then she turns her head in sort of a just get out of the way of the TV attitude, doesn't she? But I I think she acknowledges what they say, like, when they say about a missing child, like, she closes her eyes and almost looks away, like, I don't want to hear about this. You know, I've been through this enough. Yeah. And like when they say Jane, she kind of responds as well. Yeah, so that's it. It's like she's locked up. Well, we know she's locked away inside that head of hers. Yeah. And she just about manages to break through slightly. Yeah. You can sort of imagine, like you say, the whole reaction of, please don't talk to me about this. Yeah. It's like, you're five years too late. Why are you here now and not five years ago? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you were here five years ago, you might have been able to help me get Jane out of there. Yeah. You know, and then I wouldn't be in this state. But now here I am. I'm a goddamn vegetable. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're now looking for your daughter, by the way. It is heartbreaking. And honestly, I truly hope Terry is not a wasted character. Oh, if they forget... Like you've said this. If they forget about her in season five, what the hell? I'll be really heartbroken. She's literally Elle's mother. She's Elle's mother and she literally gave her life to try and find and save her daughter from that life. As any good parent would. Yeah. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Elle's... Let's be completely honest. Elle's the most important character of this show. Yeah. How 
can they leave her mother out of this? Yeah. You know. It's not like she's some sort of deadbeat mother. No, You know, exactly. she literally fought to get... She fought to the point of them doing worse than killing her, really. Yeah, exactly, because she's locked inside her own head. Yeah. It's so like you said, it's worse, if anything, than a motor neuron disease. Yeah. Because then at least she's still fully mentally active. I mean, Stephen Hawking had a pretty good life. But... Well. <laughs> but, yes, I get what you're saying because, you know, with the use of technology and, you know, I I have a family member who, who had motor neuron disease and but with the use of technology you can communicate to a certain extent. That's what I mean in terms yeah. of Stephen Hawking. You know, he yeah, it took him some time to type out what he wanted to say. Yeah. But compared to But she to what has no no way at all of doing that. Exactly, that's it. And as as it shows much worse in season two, she literally has no control over her body. Yeah. At all. She seems no. to be able to open her eyes that phrase is on a loop and sometimes breaks out. Yeah. Sort of like talking in your sleep, I guess. Yeah. But she's in that in uh, eternal loop of trying to save a daughter and it's it's horrible because it's as if in the last moments as they were frying her brain. Yeah. She I suppose like you would you were just thinking about your daughter. Yeah. And it's as if as she was essentially dying she was leaving a message yeah, for someone to find and be like, get my daughter out of there. And this is the thing, it's it's such a sad moment and really sad when you kind of unpick it like we have. Mm-hmm. When you like unpick... Sorry about that. <laughs> He's only drinking water, bless him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really sad when you unpick it like we have done and, you know, get the motivation behind what's happened and and the love that she had for her daughter and everything she was willing to do. Like, you know, we know from season two that she goes into that lab with a gun. She shoots soldiers. Like she well, yeah, she shoots a security guard. She literally yeah. stops at nothing to try and save her daughter, knowing that she's probably going to get killed or something like that. Well, that's it. She, she knows Brenner. If you've read Suspicious Minds as well, whether that's considered canon these days or not. Yeah. If you've read that, she knows full well what Brennan's capable of. And still, again, like any parent should, she's charging in there, yes, armed. Yeah. But she knows full well she can't take out the entire goddamn lab. Yeah. She knows, she pretty much guarantees she's going to be the one who gets caught, but still goes for it. And I've got to say, you know, I don't know how canon it is, but with it being the first book that came out regarding char- characters on Stranger Things. Well, yeah, the first official novel, as The they first call it. official. I do like to think that, to an extent, it is canon. I, f- I consider it canon. And, yes, there's things that have been retconned or changed. Yeah. yeah. Like, th- I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is that in the book, Elle is a year older than the rest of them. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the Duffers themselves have said, no, they're all same year. Yeah, 71. yeah. But that's it. So except for like little things like that, I've got to say, like if you haven't read it, it really is worth a read. It's really insightful. It really is. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, I don't know if it still is, but it's now Spotify has audiobooks. Mm. It's free 
for Spotify Premium users. Oh, there you go. Um, I don't know if it still is, but it was when they yeah. first brought along audiobooks. Yeah. So, but the book itself, the book itself, I don't think is that expensive really either. But um, yeah, no, it is a really good read, and also gives you insight into Elle's father. You know, her yeah. biological father. Yes. Um, it is a it's a fantastic book. Obviously, you know, we know what happens to Terry, so it is got its heartbreaking elements to it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I would definitely I definitely recommend that book if people were interested in that in 100%, the backstory. 100%. And I think the silver lining of Hopper and Joyce visiting Terry is that because of what they've now experienced with the lab so far and with like Will's fake body, they do believe that Jane is alive. Yeah. Um, and that is probably more than Terry could ever ask for because yeah. no one has believed her. No, exactly. Even her so own that, sister. Ex- well, yeah, uh, that's you know that's obviously the worst part about it is that her sister does not believe a word she's saying. Yeah. But I suppose yeah, where I've been saying you know she's like oh yeah now you're here now that I'm a vegetable and I can't do anything. It's probably also if she is in there and mentally awake in any way shape or form yeah it's gonna be a huge relief for her that she's finally got at least two people yeah now trying to sort of fight a case for her yeah you know there's someone out there that believes her daughter's out there yeah and is yes accidentally but seems as if they still want to look for her absolutely and you know with one of them being the chief of police as well yeah. That's a bit of a confidence Exactly. Boost. Chief of Police of Hawkins as yeah. well. It's not just some randomer from state or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It is. And yeah, yeah, as far as she knows, it's not just some lab goons coming to make sure she's still a veg. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'd say really the next scenes to talk about would be um, Nancy and Jonathan. I think it might be a good idea to like compile all them together yeah. So we can get to the scene we really want to talk about. <laughs> um, so with Nancy and Jonathan, obviously, she she asks him to sleep in the bed next to her because she's frightened. Yeah. Bless her, not that she really gets any sleep anyway. No, as she says, she couldn't sleep at all. Every time she closes her eyes, she just sees that thing. Yeah, honestly. And that's it. Like, when she wakes up, she's quite adamant, isn't she, to begin with, that from what she has seen, from the way she has seen it eat and be, and the way it is a predator, she really at first I think believes that Will and Nancy are, de- and <laughs> Will and Bob are dead. Yeah, which would make complete sense. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think she is fully believing that they are both demo food. Yeah. Is, because she's seen that thing and she's like, how how can you why survive would it, that? Why would it leave you anyone alive? If its yeah. interest is just food, then yeah, they're gone. They're yeah. skeletons now. Yeah, and I think she's just devastated. And then Jonathan kind of brings her around, doesn't he? Yeah, it's Jonathan who says, well, my mother's been She's spoken to, to Will, you know. And so if, if Will's alive, it's very possible Barb's alive as well. Yeah. And, you know, gives her a bit of hope left. Yes. And then obviously she's been looking through her books at different animals... And compares the Demogorgon to a shark, which is obviously what the Duffers wanted, because they said, you know, there's that link with the blood. And yeah. there is a Jaws poster, I'm sure, in one of the scenes. Yes, in this. there is somewhere. Yeah, and they do they do say, like, the first this first 
season was linked with Jaws. That was one of the influences. Yeah. And you can see that, actually. If you if anyone has ever seen the original script, like, the first scenes are on a beach. Yeah. And I believe it's with Nancy and Steve. It's not a very nice scene, but it's quite compara- comparable to how Jaws opens up with a beach scene as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, another bit of reading, if people can still get their hands on it. Yeah, oh, it'll be out there. Yeah. Once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. Yeah, I remember reading it. It was really, really interesting, actually, how different certain things are. Like we said before, especially Steve's character. Oh, yeah. Who is much more like a Billy. Um, so, yeah, so we've got that. And then, obviously, that hypes them up to get to go to the gun shop <laughs> and get all the stuff oh, to America, take on this demagogue. Oh, so great. <laughs> Sorry to our American listeners. We're not saying you're... Not great. <laughs> we're just, uh, yeah. But these kids just go into a gun shop and... They can just get just what like... they need, yeah. It is a, it is mind-blowing, isn't it? Because that oh, would never yeah, happen. you're monster hunting, are you? Okay, here you go. Yeah, actually, I get what, you, I get what you're saying, yeah, because that, that wouldn't happen here. It's just ridiculous. But, but to be fair, to be fair here, that is in the 80s, so surely things might have changed, question well. mark? <laughs> I'll leave that to our lovely American listeners to let us know that because we can't say, we can't comment on something we don't know. Yeah, we've only got external input. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they, they get the stuff, but then, of course, they get completely blindsided by the graffiti oh, on yeah. the movie theatre. Yeah. Nancy, starring Nancy the Slut Wheeler. Oh, yes. Oh, and then obviously that leads to the fight between Jonathan and Steve. And oh. at first I was saying I'm quite impressed by Jonathan, who kind of looks sometimes like a bit of a weakling, really. Yeah. But then you said it really well. He is fueled by pure rage. Yeah. After Steve's words. About Will. Saying, you know, he's not surprised about what happened to the kid, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And yeah, that would fuel you. Absolutely. And and the thing is as well, is I kind of don't really agree with what Flo says to Nancy. No. Saying, not. you know, that basically he fought with Steve because he loves you. Yeah. That old love makes you crazy. Yeah. And, I was going to say. And cause... I said, I said. The love that fueled his rage, I believe, was Will for oh, his brother. There's no believing about it. That's just the facts. Yeah. You know, that's there's at the moment. I don't think Jonathan feels anything with Nancy yet. No, I don't think even if he even if it's there underneath the surface, I think the task at hand and what he's going through is way too big for him to be able to even focus on feelings yeah. for Nancy. No, exactly. So that's it. Flo obviously hasn't heard the full story. No. She's, you know, I mean, she's they they are wise words. Yeah, love makes you crazy. Yeah, um, there is that. Um, but yeah, she's clearly not heard the full story because I'm sure if she knew what Steve said, <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, oh god, go hit him again. She'd probably knock on his door, ring the doorbell really politely. And then smack him herself and be like... Hello, honey. 
and be like, you do not joke about children. I can mm-hmm. just imagine that, yeah. Flo is brilliant. She's a great character. She is great. She's definitely not heard the full story. <laughs> and yeah, otherwise, very wise words. But I was also going to say, obviously, before it cuts to Flo, yeah. Steve needed those punches. It's like it, ironically, knocked some sense into him. It really did. I think... Well, he does come back later on apologising to Nancy, doesn't he? Yeah. All bloodied up in the face. But, yeah, like you say, it knocks some sense into him. Where I said he was changing in the car, Yeah. I think this... I suppose he's probably sat there with his face all cut up now, thinking, Jesus, Jonathan did that to me. This is Jonathan. Yeah. And he did this to me. And it probably makes him realise what he said. Probably does. And I also think as well, like, up until this point, because of his, like, popularity status and he's, you know, Steve... Well, they call him, like, King Steve, don't they? And all this kind of stuff. He can't do anything wrong in anyone's eyes. And then suddenly it's kind of a moment of, actually, Steve, not everyone loves you. Yeah. And you are not the most powerful and you're not going to win everything. Yeah, exactly. And you didn't win that fight. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think it's a huge wake-up call for him. I really I do. I think so. And I, I, I definitely think it's a wake-up call because surely future Steve, even season two Steve, if he heard his current self saying those words about Will, he'd be disgusted. Yeah, yeah, he would, he would be, absolutely. He is such a reformed person. Like I, I love him, especially in season two, where he, he truly is getting to change yeah. with the influence of Dustin. Exactly, you know? that's it. He finally becomes the babysitter, yeah. or as the uh, fandom coins it, Mother Steve. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, funnily enough. Saying about Dustin, that kind of lovely segue now into like the party scenes and L yeah. scenes. And, you know... It starts in the basement. Mike is pacing and saying to Dustin that he can't believe he shouted at Elle. He can't believe she didn't yeah, come home. Yeah, he's in a massive state of regret here. He's frantic, bless him. Yeah. And then you've got Dustin, and I literally wrote on my notes for this what I put, Dustin being epic again. Okay. Being the only reasonable one. He's brilliant. Like he's saying, you know, you're in the wrong, Elle's in the wrong, and Lucas is in the wrong. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Elle has a big reason mm. for doing what she did. But uh, she's still in the wrong. And yes, she it's still because made she... Lucas hit his head. Yeah, and yes, she didn't mean to, of course she didn't. But yeah, it's a shame she can't say her words properly. Because just, she, yeah. she just needs to be able to explain why it's dangerous and what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. If she could do that, she would not be in the wrong. No. But the thing is, I think that those moments, like, in the basement is another great moment to show Dustin's strength and his capability. Because I think in one of, like, the first couple of episodes, you can think he's very much like a side character. Yeah, he's just the one who gets his gets a door shoved in his face by Nancy. Or the one who brings sweets, you know, when they're going to look for... Will and yeah, he's the comedy character. He's the comedy character, and then yet he comes out literally as the most, as he says himself, but the most reasonable character. Yeah, and it just shows. Like Mike says that they're that all the, those boys 
are his best friends and I truly believe him because he listens to Justin when Justin says to him you know you drew first blood you have to shake Lucas's hand Mike's not impressed but he does it. He's he's not happy. Yeah, he But he listens to Dustin. Like, he re- does respect him. Yeah, because he knows he's right. Exactly. That's it. And they do go to Lucas's house, and <laughs> he, he tries to shake Lucas's hand. Lucas is not for it. No. Lucas is still very angry. And, Understandably. Yeah. And, you know, this is the point where we have that l- l- split for a small amount of time. Where Lucas is like, no, I'm going to go and find Will. I'm going to look for that gate and I'm going to get him. Yeah. And this is another point in time. Like, oh, we, we all love Lucas. Of course we do. But this is another point of naivety. And it's Mike saying the good point here now. Is, yeah. I mean, in this point, you know, later on as the show progresses, he's obviously fully against anyone using Al as a weapon, especially season three. Yeah. When uh, he finally makes the slip of the L word. But, um, yeah, here he does say, L's a weapon. We can use her against Demogorgon and all that. Yeah. That's his own words. You really want to go against the Demogorgon with a wrist rocket. So, yeah, he's the one speaking sense here. And Lucas thinking he can do anything, I'm sorry, but... You would be dead in a couple of seconds. Well, like friend. like Mike says, we're no use to Will if we're dead. Exactly. Like, it's it's power in numbers, isn't it? It really is. Power in numbers, but again, Al's a weapon. They need her, whether Lucas likes it or not. Yeah. So, yeah, going up against a Demogorgon and a gate with a wrist rocket. What Lucas, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. That's it. Ironically, just like the girl he falls in love with... Lucas is very stubborn. Yeah. But funnily enough, <laughs> I say Lucas is very stubborn. However, I do feel like in season one and season two, he comes out of his shell and he has a bit of a Steve awakening himself. I think Because well, I can yeah. honestly say, thinking about season three um, Lucas and season four Lucas, I don't think I would actually put the label stubborn on him anymore. No, I think... Maybe Max overtakes it for him. (laughs) (laughs) I think it disappears in this season. Yeah. I'm trying to think... Isn't it? It's after the van flip, isn't it? Where he's like, okay, that was cool. Okay, you're on our side, you're part of the party, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You're in. That's it. I think it's that moment there that he loses it because he realises, okay... Yeah. yeah, she's on our side. <laughs> well, this is it, you see. I was going to say he loses his stubbornness in season one, but then I remembered the fact that, you know, he goes to Max's house and is potentially going to be facing Billy and things like that. And I'm like, well, that's quite stubborn because she's told him not to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, in that case, he's trying to win the girl himself. Yeah. So it, I guess it's reawakened. But also prove to her that he's not lying, I suppose, about Elle and everything that happened. Um, So, yeah, but it's nice to see that he he is going to have that awakening soon. Um, And that stubbornness is going to, not like we say, completely disappear. No. But he's going to have his eyes opened. Yeah, exactly. And finally, finally apologise for the way he's been treating Elle. Yeah, and... And obviously, while this is all happening, poor Elle, like, she's woken up in in the woods. And, oh, it's just, honestly, 
massive props to Millie. Like, I especially for season one, I just want to bow down to her because she does so, so, so much with her expressions. Yeah, exactly. She breaks your heart. Like, she is such a wordless actor. Yes. Like, she, well, an expressive, expressive uh, yeah, actor. Yeah, and she's always been the same because... Even in Intruders, if you've seen that, it's a different show that was on BBC, I think it was BBC America that started it, but she was in a few things before this, but I think this was her first proper gig Yeah. As Intruders, and my God, she's amazing in there. You know, she's able to speak in that, she is, you know, a proper kid, but yeah. again, she's got those facial expressions, um... Spoilers for the intruder uh, for intruders if you want to watch it, but you know she's got the expression to make you think she is a murderer. Yeah, and she, she, <laughs> she's this kid with the ability to do that. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. how good she is at acting. She, I mean, I'm sorry, people, but I don't like the Godzilla films. I don't. But Millie, that's not her fault. Yeah, Millie stands out. She always stands out in anything she does. If it's Enola Holmes. Like, she she stands out. I can't wait for a new one, actually. Damsel. That's out really soon, isn't it? March, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, ironically, do you know what I think it is? In a good way now, she's stubborn in the sense that she knows her characters. Yeah. And if she's not a fan of the way something's written, she's not afraid to say it. Yeah. And, she, you know, they've spoken about that in the interviews. She's done that with Elle. Yeah. And I'm sure she will have done that with other other gigs as well yeah probably she's you know she's the one we have her to thank for the snowball kiss yeah don't forget that the snowball kiss wasn't in there until she went up to the duffers and she's like what the hell yeah you know this is they would share a a dance you know Mike needs to kiss her yeah come on guys fix this yeah she's brilliant she needs to be brought on as executive producer yeah exactly (laughs) well that's it yeah once once the duffers story's done after yeah. season five, she just needs to take over. <laughs> I know she's previously said she's ready for it to finish. You know, she loves it, but she wants to move on. Yeah. Move on in the acting sense, but you take over the show. It's yours. <laughs> we can trust you, I think. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's just a phenomenal actress. And literally, the scene that I'm I'm thinking of is just all she's doing is staring into the water at this point and trying to put that wig back on seeing herself with the wig and then taking it off and as I say it just breaks your heart because you can see every single emotion going through her face yeah it's like you can nearly read her thoughts yeah because you can see she's like right I'll just put the wig on and I'll be back to normal and then she looks at herself and she's like that's not me and takes it off and looks at herself and says I'm a monster you know I'm not this pretty girl. I see, yeah, the way I see it is like, she's obviously, as you say, yeah, she's comparing herself with the wig, without the wig. And she's like, I can't be pretty. Yeah. That's not who I am. And I think as well, it's that, it's the pure frustration coming out of how much childhood she's lost. I think yeah. she's finally learned that from seeing the pictures of Nancy, from seeing these boys. Yeah. She's realised how much was taken from her and I think this is just a moment where she just needs to scream yeah absolutely so her frustration her anger everything she's lost 
everything that she has missed out on. You know, it's it's such a powerful moment. And again, as I say, there's no there's no words. She doesn't say any words. No, all she does is scream. <clears throat> yeah. In pure fueled rage. Yeah, it's it's just a a brilliant moment. And obviously, throughout the episode, we we are having moments of um her having the flashbacks to the lab and yeah. Brenner saying to her, you know, oh, it's we're going to make contact. Yeah. Oh, with the Demogorgon. And that is, yeah, it, 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 it annoys me. I was trying yeah. to think of a word that wasn't a swear word then. <laughs> it really annoys me. I know yeah. he's evil. We know how evil Brenner is and the things he has done, not just to Elle, but to Henry, especially if you have seen the first shadow. To Henry, to Terry. Yeah, to Terry, of course. To all of them. Probably all these subjects um, that he has had. But, oh my God, I'm just like, you dis- like you, you sicken me. Yeah. That you'd make the child that was terrified, you'd make her, you'd coerce her enough to go back to somewhere she's terrified. Yeah. And yes, he doesn't know what the Demogorgon is. You know, he can't see it. Or anything like that. But, but she has clearly explained it enough for him to be like, well, we've got to make contact with exactly. it. Exactly. He knows it's an alien somewhere out there. And, yeah, you you know, surely she said it's big and scary and it'll uh, very much probably want to eat me. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, well, yeah, you can go and poke it in the back then. Yeah, because all he is thinking about is himself. Because as explained in season four... He wants her to find Henry. He wants Henry back. Well, that's it. He never officially says that, does he? But Elle realises that. And Elle's the one saying, you never cared about me. You just wanted to use me to find your original kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, yeah, it frustrates me so much. But obviously we then see that is how the gate is opened. Yeah. You know, from her making contact, ironically, with that Demogorgon. Yeah, and then that's that it. That causes that, that rift. Yeah, exactly. And that... <clears throat> it's insane, because that's it. Obviously, there was a physical contact, which in season two typically breaks the connection for her. Yeah. But here, the Demogorgon feels it. Yeah. It reacts, and... Yeah, poor Elle. Again, like you say, she's just petrified. Yeah. And it just goes to show, again, how powerful she really is. Absolutely. That she is then capable, without realising it, of course, whether it was just the mere fact that she made physical contact with this thing, or if it is just her, let's say, her fingers slipping while she's petrified and not concentrating. But the fact that she can tear... A hole in reality. Yeah. To this other place is pure insanity. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I just, oh, it just really frustrates me how much she's had to go through. Yeah. It really does. Um, obviously, like the next scene we have of her is her going into Bradley's Best Buy. Yeah. And getting her egos. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is quite an comedic scene really yes because the manager's like you've got to pay for those and she literally the fact that she calls him a mouth breather i know it's like poor man is literally asking if you're okay and you're just like mouth breather well i suppose she hasn't had that much good 
um, experience with adults, really. Not that much, no. Obviously, she had <laughs> Benny, and that's about it. But I've got to say, not to kind of go away too much from this episode, but um, I have been really, really lucky to go um, when I was in Atlanta with Megan, and we went on a Stranger Things tour. Um, yeah. An official tour, and it was absolutely brilliant. And we went to a lot of the sites. My favourite, obviously, being the Wheeler House. Because of the emotions that came with it. Yeah. It was quite a funny moment because I remember them saying, and this is Lucas's house. <laughs> and it really, it's right next door to the Wheeler House. You can yeah, see the Wheeler House. Yeah, they're very close in proximity, aren't they? Yeah, it is the last one in the cul-de-sac, you know, the Wheeler House. And my eyes, of course, had immediately gone to that house. And I just remember being very unprofessional. <laughs> and basically screaming that I didn't care about the Sinclair house because I could see the Wheeler house. <laughs> and I was like almost in tears. I was like, it's the Wheeler house, it's the Wheeler house. You because went full tunnel vision fangirl. I absolutely did because it's exactly, you know, that is where our story starts. Yeah. Like in that Other house. Other than the lab and no, that yeah, but getting munched on. Uh, who it, cares about that? It, yeah. You know, <laughs> Get lost. that's where our proper story starts. Yeah. And... It's where so much happens and yes I know it's obviously a set the inside of those moments but from the outside it is identical yeah it's identical there's nothing that's been built on for it or anything like that or taken away from this house it is the house yeah and you know with the power lines next to it and all that kind of (laughs) stuff and it's just oh my gosh like I was so overwhelmed but one of the places as well that we did go was um, Bradley's Best Buy. I can't think of what it was actually called, um, the actual store, but um, they were the nicest people. I've got to say. Yeah. Like we we went in there, and they like they we explained. I mean, it was obvious that we were fans. We had on our Strange Things t shirts and everything, and they were like. Oh, this is the aisle where, you know, the Mike and L scene is. Do you want to sit down? They sat about here and we sat down and they took our picture yeah. and they were like, and do you want to hold the Ego box? And I, I mean, I don't know if it's because obviously they could tell from my accent that I'd come from quite quite a distance yeah. for this trip. I'm not sure. But um, we got a picture with the Ego box and they were just, yeah, the nicest people. And, um, you know... I was just really, really grateful. But we went to many sites, but it's so lovely to see those sites and think to myself, oh my God, I've been there. You've been there. You've yeah. held that Ego box. And like I said, one day we, we will go. We'll definitely go. Yeah. And there'll be even more sites to add. When you think about all the locations that have been since. Oh, I'm sure the uh, Creel house is a big one now. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it is. Um, and again, shout out to Megan. She She is the girl to go to. She, you know, she knows all these sites. She's honestly brilliant. Um, but yeah, I did just want to mention that because, of course, I think about it when I see those scenes. Absolutely. But just to shout out, you know, how nice. Like, yes, some people are, are entitled to their privacy. And, and like I say, with the Wheeler House, you can't get too close. Like, they have put a sign... There was a sign and you were not to cross past the sign. And that's fine. Yeah, exactly. They, they still allowed you to take a photograph. Yeah. Um, and the same really with the Sinclair house and the, the Henderson house, which are all incredibly close. Um, the Byers house, 
was different. And I can say this now because it's been up for sale in all sorts, hasn't it? So it's probably got very different yeah. owners. But they wouldn't let you really anywhere near the house. There was like a private land sign. Yeah, But to be much. fair, I kind of do understand that because it is down a dirt track. Yeah. And if you're going to have like a queue of people, you're never going to be able to get out of your property. Well, not only that, they're completely invading your privacy. Yeah, like, Could you imagine having a row of not only paparazzi, but just insane fans yeah crowding outside your window trying to get through your window take pictures yeah and they do have a porch like imagine you're just sat on your front porch you're just trying to chill and And then there's just people taking pictures of your house and asking you questions yeah i was gonna say they're not probably even gonna take pictures from a distance you've got insane fans out there Hmm. who are going to be bolting it towards you like oh my god let me in i want your house get out of here this is mine now blah 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 but not even that just like asking you constant questions about have you met the cast like when when do you need to leave your house like have they got the next season sorted like you'd just be bombarded so yeah. I, I do get it i do yeah um but yeah the wheeler one yeah i i liked the fact that they had that sign and it was like yes you can take pictures but do not come too close to this property less so yeah yeah that's the way to do it yeah it was really interesting um to see all those kind of places and it is fascinating like georgia is so so many places are frozen in time you can really understand why um all these production companies do film there yeah and i'm sure i said before it's probably like an unwritten law that they're not allowed to change anymore because it's perfect for things yeah. like this yeah that it really is like we would go through different towns and it just, it really is frozen in, in time in so many different places. Um, like another one that was amazing to see, of course, was like the, the high school and the middle school. Because, you know, the, yeah. again, they they didn't change much at all either. No, exactly. They just get a different name slapped on the front. Yeah, and, and that was about it. Otherwise, it, it's so similar. Yeah. Yeah, so I did just want to add all that in. Just, you know, at the end of the day, we're Stranger Things fans. Yeah, and exactly. I imagine... Pretty much all of our listeners, it'd be very bizarre if you weren't, are Stranger Things fans. Exactly. So it's just to give a bit of insight. Yeah, exactly. What was the mall like? Because you went to Starcourt oh, as well. Or we, we Gwinnett did go Place, to, isn't it? Yeah, we went there twice. So we went there a couple of days before season three came out. Yes. And So they still had the security up. They still had they had a security guard and we got a couple of pictures in, um, like the um, I can't think what it's called, but that the, is it called the Russian horse? You know the musical horse that was playing the song that Steve and Robin remembered. Yeah, like that was to the side. I got a picture of that, and there was a big screen, um, like I say a screen, almost like a curtain, really. Well, yeah, a screen's correct, but you don't mean like a television screen. No, no, not not television, screen. like a like a curtain screen that was blocking off a part of the mall. And if you, me and Megan, realised that if you went into a certain shop, if you came out of a certain exit, you could kind of see from a balcony um, what was kind of hidden behind there. Yeah. And very much, it was the scenes of the mall destroyed. Uh. Like there was still like broken glass i'm guessing fiberglass but like there was like fiberglass everywhere there was the car Uh, all that kind of stuff um it was still very much the set it was amazing um 
But obviously, we didn't have much context yeah, at that exactly. point. We hadn't seen season three. But you knew that at some point, Starcourt was getting demolished. Yeah. And then, yeah, that is really sad, to be honest. Um, because then we went... I think we did go the same day as season three. Because it had come out early in America. We had to obviously get up early to watch it. Yeah. Um, we were finished by the afternoon. Yeah. We went again to Starcourt. And it was funny, actually, because we met a couple of other fans there. Oh, we yeah. met this lovely family. Um, it kind of reminds me of what we would be like in the future if there was more seasons with oh, our yeah. children. Um, they mm. had two daughters that they were all in their Stranger Things t-shirts. Mm. And they took the kids because the kids were desperate to see them all as well. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was a few more fans. But I think the problem with that is that security stepped up then. Oh yeah. And I bet we, that's we it. were allowed nowhere near that curtain. He yeah. turned us around. Mm-hmm. That's and, it, yeah. and he was quite moody about it as well. He well, probably I had bet. it all day. I bet, yeah, I can't blame him. Because that's it, they probably knew when season three was releasing and they were probably told, right, you keep it low for a bit because yeah. we don't want to attract attention. But once season three releases, prepare yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, like, we did get like pictures outside of the mall and things like that. But yeah, no, we didn't get any pictures behind the black screen, mainly because, like, I didn't want to do anything illegal. Yeah. Um, I got a picture of the horse, but that was only because it wasn't behind... It Ironically, when I think about it, when I think about how big it was in the story, it's quite funny that it was literally just pushed to the side of a corridor. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it doesn't... Yeah, seeing it in a corridor doesn't really give you any context at all. Yeah, and, and as I say, I saw it before the show had come out I just took a picture of it Um, but yeah it was just funny to me that that was like a big moment you know the song that all all that kind of stuff and what it represented in the show and it was just like pushed to the side but yeah all the other stuff was hidden behind this black curtain yeah yeah such a shame that they didn't turn that into a Stranger Things experience yeah I remember me and Megan saying this to be honest because we were saying how perfect it would have been for yeah, it. Yeah, because isn't, isn't that mall pretty much dead otherwise? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know now the story. You know, I'm not going to pretend I do. But, yeah, at the time, it very much was set to be, like, demolished. Yeah, and I mean, maybe this breathe, uh, breathe some life into it. Maybe. But, yeah, either way, it really should have kept the set. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, sorry everyone for going completely off track, but hopefully that was interesting enough, you know, just to get a bit of perspective yeah, exactly. on all of the uh, different sets and I like locations. It, because it just helps the our episodes not be completely on train tracks yeah. about the episode. Yeah. Gotta like, love a bit of a tangent. Absolutely, and, and like we said, like this is this is not perfect, but it's it's our life and it's just the stuff It's that, us. Yeah, we find interesting and the things we've been really, really lucky to experience. Exactly. At the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, so obviously where we'd be now is coming to our favourite scene yes. of this episode. Well, there was one that I'm guessing you didn't note down. I mean, it's absolutely tiny, so I don't blame you. But I just wanted to say um, the moment that Connie Fraser... W- meets Mr. Clark. I did note this down, but I was too excited for the quarry scene <laughs> that I was like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. All It's absolutely tiny, so it's absolutely fine. But all I wanted to say is I was 
really panicking for for Mr. Clark here. Yeah, the moment because, he opens the door. Yeah, exactly. The moment he opens the door and we see her standing there, I'm like, oh no, get out of there. Yeah. I really thought he was getting a bullet to the head. Yeah, it is quite nerve-wracking. It is. When you see her appear, because the only other time so far we've seen her is when she's playing a sickly sweet character and kills Benny. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for a moment here, I really thought Scott was gone. Yeah. But thankfully not. Yeah. You know, he has leaked the fact that uh, it's Mike, Dustin, Lucas and Will that they're interested in. Yeah. But, you know, can't blame him. No. Like, he's only trying to do the best for the boys and he's yeah. you can see the excitement in his face like when when she's actually talking about like the av club of indiana and how it's going to help them you know get into careers in technology in the future and, yeah exactly and he's like and nodding his head he's like yes 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 please he's so passionate for them i yeah. absolutely love this man he wants like that them to have the best like he probably knows they get bullied because he yeah. probably sees himself in them you know, at oh, the end of yeah. the day. I think he does. And so, yeah, he's, like, nodding along, and then she's like, you know, have you got anyone you think could be interested? And he's like, oh, I've got a few in mind. And you yeah. can just see the glee on her face. Yeah. The malicious, She plays like, this yes. really well. She does, you know, because in that scene, I wouldn't even say I can... Until the end bit where she kind of almost smirks because she knows yeah. she's got what she wanted. Before that... I would like easily believe she's just a lovely, like warm woman. Yeah, who wants the best for these kids? Yeah, yeah, she does. She, all of the actors, this is it. Like, are so phenomenal, especially really in are. season one. Um, and yeah, it is such a it is a good scene. But yeah. I was just being an excited child on that's absolutely Christmas Eve, fine because that's Christmas that Day. scene done. So let's move <laughs> swiftly on. <laughs> the quarry scene. So obviously. Mike and Dustin are looking for Elle in the woods. And, of course, they don't stumble across Elle. They stumble across Troy and James. And Troy has got a pen knife. Honestly, what has happened in this boy's life to make him the way he is? Honestly, like, as I literally wrote in my notes, am I just really sheltered? Have I lived a sheltered life or something? Because it is not normal for a 12-year-old... So how, oh, sorry, he could be older, sorry. I know they could be older than Mike, and they probably are. But either but say, way, say a middle-score kid. Yeah, to have a pen knife. Exactly. And yes, he's probably nicked it off his father or something, but still, to want to go and grab a pen knife and then hold it against another kid. That's it. That's the thing that kind of almost oversteps the line. In a way, it's not even having the knife, because that could have been just to try and frighten them. Like... That alone would frighten anybody. But then, exactly, like you said, like he puts it to Dustin's throat. Exactly. And then, yeah, he switches over to his teeth. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to save him a trip to the dentist. But it's like... He's psychotic. He, yeah, what has happened in this boy's life to make him the way he is? It's absolutely yeah. insane. And And to literally be giving him the ultimatum of... Either you die either you or die, he dies. Or he dies. Exactly. It's like, you know, yes, he's a kid. And I mean, I'm only saying this because Powell didn't believe that um, someone would die from jumping into this quarry from here. Yeah. Hopper's having to explain, yeah, at this speed, from this height, that water is concrete. You're dead. Yeah. So 
the, what are the chances of a kid knowing this in this world we've got set up here? That's true, but, but still, the, the, the most he's hoping for here is grievous bodily harm. Exactly, which is the you know, worst kind of bodily harm you can have. Exactly, because isn't this the quarry that they think Will fell into? Yeah, and died. So he's basically saying, right, you go meet the same fate as Will. Yeah. Or I'm cutting up Dustin. Yeah. So yeah, what the hell? I know it. It's absolute insanity. But this, this is one of those moments where it drives me mad how bad some of the fandom treat Mike because here he is walking off the edge of a cliff knowing he's about to die so that Dustin doesn't get cut up yeah like this boy is so selfless yeah he is quite literally he you know he's not stupid he knows this quarry's gonna kill him or incredibly well the thing is even if it I'm saying even if, as if this is like a compensation. But even if it broke his arms and his legs, he's then going to drown. Even if he survived the jump. Exactly. And that's it, yeah. It's either that, or we can see, you know, from the far out view, that it's a straight down drop. Yeah, yeah. Even if he's somehow in perfect condition when he gets into that water, he's going to have to swim so far to get back to land. Yeah, and there's no way on this earth he would be completely undamaged no. and not and and be able to swim. Like and that. even if he is, it's going to be freezing cold. I was he's, just going to say, dead. yeah, it'd be freezing cold. Either way, he's dead. So, like you say, <laughs> there's no way Troy is stupid enough to think Mike could survive. No. Surely, so he is literally giving him the ultimatum of it: you or Dustin. Make your mind yeah. up now. Well, I just think it's just unbelievable. Like to think that there are children like that you know but this is sort of why I find Troy such an interesting character because again why is he like this you know they could explore all that yeah and I do feel like he is the monster ironically oh god yeah this episode's called the monster and I'm like the only one displaying monster behaviour to me is you Troy yeah and Brenna but that's not right now that's flashbacks but this is it. I do wonder, like I've said before, when when we've seen some of the spoilers of season five, and to me it just looks like it might be Troy and James in walking that particular back. picture. Yeah, walking behind Mike and Dustin, especially because they've said it's going to be like season one. Yeah, is this them going for like round two? And if it is, oh, I I bloody hope Elle's there as well. <laughs> I really hope. Just yeah, to give Troy, Troy some PTSD. Yeah, and that's it. Yes. Well, then again, she's bald again, so she doesn't look that different. No, she doesn't. It's so, just a bit stronger now and a bit older. Oh, a whole lot stronger. Yeah. Yep, she's ready to just pop your brain open. Yeah. And this is it. So, like, either I hope it's like that situation, even if they're coming to bully or have a round two with Dustin and Mike. I really want Elle to be there and yeah we all know oh, what will happen just his the way his face would turn yeah he'd pee himself she wouldn't need to squeeze his bladder no he, yeah he would it. pee himself <laughs> and either that or I hope it's like uh, from Mike and Dustin's side you owe us yeah you know exactly yeah. like kind you of know, scenario I dived into that quarry to save Dustin's life you made me do that yeah now you can see what's happened to Hawkins here. Yeah. 
let's just shut up, put our differences behind us and get busy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it's one of the two things. Yeah. If it does happen to be them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so obviously that is all happening. And then Mike, bravely or foolishly, goes off that cliff edge. Yeah. And, <sighs> <laughs> and I think, amazingly, all of their reactions are a bit like, oh, crap, he actually did that. Yeah. Even Troy's. Yeah. He pulls yeah. a face like, whoa, wait a minute. Which frustrates me because how is Mike going to fight you back even though he has his little stone, bless him. He's like, thrown that. Yeah. That was useless. Yeah. How is he going to fight back when you have a pen knife? Exactly. What does he think he's going to do? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, maybe Troy's bluffing. You know, maybe he's like, you know, as if I'm going to do that. Maybe incredibly risky most, game. Yeah, maybe at most he's going to slightly cut his cheek or something. Yeah. You know, maybe he's not going to go the full way and start cutting out his teeth. Yeah. Like he says. But either way, the fact that he then reacts like, oh my God, he actually did it? Yeah. It's, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. So, yeah, they run up to the edge, pretty much probably fully expecting Mike to be gone. Yeah. You know. Um, but uh, no, he's quite the opposite of gone. No, he's flying without wings, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, for a moment he's just floating there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know how far down he is, but from our view, Mike has no idea what's going on for a moment. No, he's just frozen in air and he he's doesn't shocked. know why. Yeah, exactly. He's shocked. He doesn't quite understand why he stopped falling. Yeah. At this moment. But the others, for all I know, Troy and Jays are probably like, oh, he's doing more science crap to keep himself from falling. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, up he comes. Up he comes. This lift is going up. <laughs> yeah. He lands, not so gracefully, but we'll forgive that. You know, it's a hell of a lot of power to be uh, getting someone back over a cliff yeah um he lands and then we see mike's face turn his mouth drop his eyes widen yeah not only is his girl back she is the most powerful entity yeah that this world has ever seen and the look of determination and anger and power on Elle's face as she strides towards them is epic and you can just tell Mike is is all hers. Like, he's hook, line, oh, and he's... He's, he's just absolutely gobsmacked at what she's done. Yeah. And I know what he says in season four, powers or no powers, like, he loves her. Yeah. And I do truly believe that. Yeah. But in that moment, I think it's the look on her face of yeah. how dare you hurt him. Yeah, it's exactly. It's kind of like the recognition of... She really cares about me too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's, first of all, just bothered saving his life after he screamed in her face. Yeah. And pretty much had her run away. Yeah. And yet here she is, first of all, saving his life from there, storming up. And like we say, he's already in love with her, but... Yeah. Like you say, it's that realisation of, I have a superhero for a girlfriend. Yeah. It's like, and and I do think that because of like the scenes we have in, in the next episode, that it is a recognition of you like me and I like you. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, because of, because of like what happens in, in the next one. 
And um, I also love how it's kind of, I don't know if juxtaposition is the word, but you've got kind of Mike's shock and realisation. And then you've got Dustin, who has got the happiest face ever. I honestly think it's it's probably the best moment of his life. Oh, I, yeah, fully. Like, that's it. He's loved the fact that Elle has powers from the moment she slammed that door yeah. in Lucas's face. Yeah. He, you know, he tried get to get her to fly the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. He, he absolutely loves it. And here she comes, after saving Mike's life, storming up like the powerhouse that she is, shoving James on the floor yeah. with just a little stare. Yeah. And then... Troy's arm pulls an early Vecna. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That you literally know? just popped into my head. Oh my god. But do you know what? Yes, L. Like literally broke his arm, the arm that's holding but the hand that's holding the pen knife. Yeah. Yes. Honestly, I don't know if I'm a bit sick myself here, but I said I wish she had said to him. You should be lucky it wasn't your neck. Well, I, it's, considering what she just, well, considering what he had just put Mike and Dustin through. Exactly, and the thing is, she's been killing people already. She's killed people in the lab. Yeah. She's killed two people in Benny's. Yeah, yeah. So, if anything, Troy and James are extremely lucky here that she didn't immediately go for the neck. Yeah. Because that so far that's essentially all she knows. Thing is, because of Brenner, because of the lab, killing might not even be that bad in her mind. No, possibly she not. She might just think, they're bad people, I've removed them from the world. Yeah, Happy this days. Is, this is what you do with bad people. Yeah. So yeah, so, they should feel incredibly lucky as they, they ran away peeing themselves. They are insanely lucky that they're still alive. So, yeah. And and that's it. And like, obviously we have the the flashback then of Elle making that contact with the Demogorgon as she's collapsed. Yeah. But as she comes to, you know, Mike is there for her, Dustin, close by, and she says that she's sorry and that she opened the gate and she is the monster. Yeah, that's it. And in her mind, you know, she's apologising because at the end of the day, she opened the gate and that's why Will's missing. That's why all of this is happening. Yeah. But But it's finally off her shoulders, that feeling. And... Thank God, you know, for Mike, he is immediately like, he's not even shocked. No. He's immediately like, no, Elle, you are not the monster. You just saved my life. You saved me. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. In, I mean, that's it. Mike doesn't even bat an eyelid at at her saying she opened the gate. Because the thing is, she opened it. Because of Brenner. Yeah. She didn't do it on purpose. No. Um, But, yeah, Mike doesn't know any of that, and yet he doesn't bat an eyelid at it. He's just like, nope, you saved my life. I love you. You're not the bloody yeah. monster. And the thing is, as well, Mike isn't that stupid. And I do wonder, you know, since Lucas suggested it when they're having the argument, and he said maybe she opened the gates, yeah. you know... And when we have that scene of Mike pacing in the basement, thinking about Elle and what's happened, that thought really could have entered his head easily. Yeah. He Thing could is, have thought, yeah, well, she is Elle, powerful enough. Yeah, and Elle never denies it. No. She's just stood there, clearly trying to form the words. She's really... And frightened. Yeah, she's frightened. She's 
absolutely petrified of these guys going for the Kate. I think personally, she looks like she's trying to form the words. Yeah. She's trying to figure out what to say to try and help the situation, but she just can't get them out in time. Yeah, except so, that it's not safe, yeah. Exactly, that's it, and that's unfortunately just not enough. Yeah. But either way, yeah, that's that's it. She's finally, like you say, got that burden of holding this secret away that she opened the gate and, again that relief she must feel that for some reason this boy still likes her yeah and the thing is as well Dustin doesn't either be like oh my god you did what you opened yeah. the gate like he also seems to accept it immediately exactly that's it once they're hugging he's just like okay yeah I'm I'm, I'm impartial to a hug let's go yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hug as well yeah and that is it's a lovely scene and like we say like Dustin like well it's it's iconic isn't it you know she's our friend and she's crazy oh yeah you come back here she'll kill you you hear me she'll kill you <laughs> <laughs> honestly that scene is iconic it is and I mean at the same time I'm like do those words really help Elle's mental state yeah, well, he does say kill you just before bless her, she collapses. Um, so maybe not, but um, but yeah, no, it's a fantastic scene. It's one of my favorites, um, because it just shows so much. I think yeah. that's it. My favorite scenes are always the ones that there's so much going on. If it's behind the eyes, if it it doesn't always have to be words, you know. Yeah. They can well, answer it. Don't get me wrong. Especially Malevan, though, they just don't need words. Yeah. Most of the time. No, no. Honestly, yeah. And as we've we both know, you know, this the episode ends with them going into the house, and there's obviously that undercover lab worker saying, "Yeah, got her. They're going home." Um, we know that the next scene of the next episode. Yeah. Again, is one of our favourites. Well, you say it is your favourite. I think it might be my favourite from season one. And the only uh, the only little hint I'll give of that, which most fans will know, is you don't need it. <laughs> Still pretty. Oh, don't. Like, honestly, we might need a whole episode on that scene because yeah. I'm going to be talking about it for hours. Yeah, if this episode is pushing an hour and 15 minutes, then that one... Yeah. Yeah, that's it's going to be an hour and 15 minutes of just... That scene. That scene. <laughs> Honestly, I just think it... Oh, I see, I'm, I'm trying not to talk about it now. But yeah, it, it shows the best in Mike and Elle. And yeah. I can't wait to discuss that on Especially the next episode. Especially Mike, but yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Well, unfortunately, that really is... Um, chapter six discussed. Yeah, it so, is. So we will see you very, very soon. We <laughs> shall indeed. For our next episode, which don't know the name of it. Um. Oh, have you got this? Have you got this? No. <laughs> I really thought you had it then. I can just cut the audio here, go look, and then pretend to have it. Yeah, but we're too lazy for that. Uh you got me there <laughs> thank you so much everyone for listening um, please if you if you feel you would like to please rate or follow or subscribe whatever it's called the show you know so more Stranger Things fans can uh, 
Find us. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, we're not doing it for the numbers, but we love to see them. Genuinely yeah. love to see that. It gives us the motivation. Yes, we're having fun anyway. Yeah. But it's definitely a motivating factor. And More so for me, I, I just worry that we're either boring or, you know, people are like, what the heck? So it, it's just nice to have some feedback. And I've got to say, thank you so much. We have had feedback yeah. um, of people, if it's literally leaving the reviews via our fan fiction stories and things like that. Well, ironically, one of their own. Yeah. Um, and I had one today on one of mine. So thank you so, so much. Honestly, it really means the world to us because we are just being ourselves are. for better or for worse. <laughs> um, and we're just having fun. So yeah, it's just nice to know if we're being boring or not I hope yeah. not either way that's it with the numbers we have it's nice to know that there are some clearly just as crazy people out there willing to put up with us yeah yeah it's good to know especially from around the world as you know I find that fascinating I really do yeah it just it's amazing to me you know and Likewise. yeah I, I, thank you so much everyone thank you very much indeed see you soon see you soon bye bye bye